Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It is not, nor has it ever been, that we're smarter than everybody else. Although it's possible that there are people that we are smarter than. It's that we're more honest about what it is we're seeing. We're more honest about what it is we're discussing. We do not lie to ourselves. And when you don't lie to yourself, you are able to see things clearly. You're able to have focus. And in that focus, my gosh, it's amazing what becomes apparent. And what becomes apparent is that anybody who told you, well, the Republicans are having real problems in this election because of abortion is flat out out of their minds. And I've got every bit of data to prove it. I just didn't need the data because we've been paying attention so well for so long. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on? 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. Call in. Feel free. This happened last night. Uh, This is the timeline I'm going to play with. This happened last night. Now, really, I I can go back to something that happened the night before. When I was on Fox, there was two TV hits. One Saturday on Fox News, one Sunday. And it was a midterm conversation in both places. I, I, understandable. But in, in the, in the uh, conversation over at Fox, it was a conversation about defund the police. And the guy who I, 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 I'm often paired up with is a guy by the name of Kevin Walling. Nice enough dude. Democrat, nice enough dude. You know, I'm, it, 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 it's Lawrence. He, he's he's always been good to me. I've, I I only hope I've always been good to him. Happy to do the to do the show. Although I don't know why my camera makes me look washed out. I gotta figure that out. I gotta somehow do something to that and get a little richer in the camera look. Don't get me wrong, I look hot as hell. But it was ta- a conversation about the police and a conversation about defund the the the, the police and. In this conversation about defund the police, it seems that the left can't accept the fact that they've said these words and that these words have had an effect on people in the election. Down by six points, and a lot of folks say it's because of the issue of crime. Yeah, the the whole defund the police conversation, and we've heard many times, look at what the progressive left has done, look at the legislation that's passed, look at the money that's been spent. They said defund the police, and it stuck. And Representative Cory Bush uh, said just last week, people say, uh, use the term reallocate, use the term move the money, but it's all the same thing. They actually believe in not having a police force on the ground that does the job. They don't believe in pursuing criminals. That's what John Fetterman in Pennsylvania uh, said when he was at least engaging in, in some cogent conversations. This is the problem. They put it out there. It's stuck, and they're very upset that it has. They're upset with you, me, and we for noticing. And so when they talk about all of this money that they spent, look at this legislation that's been passed, they think somehow that that they're doing something good. Look at us. You can't be angry with us about defund the police. That can't be something that's going to move people to vote against the Democrats. Look at all we're doing. And so Kevin Walling comes back with this. Uh, actual police funding and who's actually increasing budgets for law enforcement across the board in all these communities 
it's Democrats. We devoted $350 billion as part of the American Rescue Plan that went uh, in many ways directly to uh, law enforcement to hire more cops, to hire more cops back. We just passed a police reform package just two weeks ago that would increase funding. So when you look at what is actually being legislated, especially on the national level, it's by President Biden and the Democrats working single-handedly to increase these funds. Single-handedly. Democrats, honest, Joe Biden is Batman, and he is single-handedly cleaning up crime. Who believes this? Look outside your window. To quote Avenue Q, there is life outside your apartment. Do you really think that Democrats are cleaning up the cities? And this exactly was my point. Wow. This is... Go ahead, Kevin. This is a maddening argument, Kevin, because you keep pushing the same argument, and it's lovely, but it isn't true in the cities. The cities are run by the progressive left. The prosecutors don't prosecute. The cops feel hamstrung. They tried to defund and then realized it didn't work and then tried to put money back. But the attitude is the same, and that can't go away, and it is a player in these midterms. I didn't know that was a debate, and neither did you, because we've been discussing this for months now. But somewhere out there, possibly Kevin and possibly others, they were surprised and shocked and stunned by this revelation. This is not deniable. And then he he got mad at me, and I was like, how dare you get mad at me for noting what you said? And he said, well, I oppose defund the police, and so does the leader of my party. Joe Biden does not oppose this. Joe Biden does exactly what he's told to by the progressive left. But that's part one. That's part one. Then we get into a part two. The most unbelievable thing I have heard. I was on News Nation last night. Republicans are worried about the midterms? What a difference will it make? Let's bring in tonight's politics panel. A leading political and social impact advisor, Crystal Knight, is with us, as is Tony Katz, host of the Tony Katz Show. Thank you both for being here. And, Tony, let's start with you. Uh, we sure. just heard Joe Khalil's report on growing anxiety within the GOP. Some uh, midterm races closer than expected, according to polling right now. So, so what kind of setback would it be for Republicans if they can't retake control of both the House and the Senate, Tony? Anxiety? Anxiety. Now, that's Natasha, and I I, appreciate being on the show. But I actually said something to a host, uh, maybe the second time in my life. The first time I, I, I I had a bit of a fight with Leland Vitter when he was still on Fox, and now he's on News Nation, and, and, and a friend, and oh, oh yeah, like, like we had to talk afterwards. That was, that was something else. But I, I never heard anything like this. Anxiety. They had had on a congressman from Kentucky, Congressman Comer, who stated that, you know, well, uh, you know, this summer with, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, suburban women, they got very upset. Maybe. But suburban women are worried about how they're going to heat their homes and keep their kids safe, how they're going to feed their kids. They're worried about the job market. They're worried about their 401k and savings. They're worried about inflation. They know they're not taking a vacation this year. Abortion is not on their top 10. Now, maybe it is for the ideologue leftist, but it isn't for the vast swath. Am I, you take that argument and decide from from Comer that suburban women were bothered by the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and you turn that into Republicans being worried? 
Of course that's not true. And we, you and I, have dismissed this based on what we know to be facts. And I, I, I did this. Well, first, you're confusing a couple of issues, and we shouldn't allow that to happen. The issue here is not with Congress. Congress seems, has been, and seems to be pretty well in the purview of the Republicans to take over. The Senate was always a question. It was Chuck Schumer who said that the Democrats have a 60% chance to hold on to the Senate. I actually thought in one of the rare moments of cogency from Senator Schumer that was absolutely correct. We saw on News Nation just the other day that Herschel Walker KO'd Senator Raphael Warnock. Even the New York Times called it a tie, which is their way of saying Herschel Walker won this race. We might see polling change from there. J.D. Vance is ahead in Ohio. And you have Blake Masters doing extremely well against Senator Mark Kelly in Arizona. So this idea that Republicans are all nervous, honestly, and I, and I, I enjoy the show, I enjoy you, I have no idea what you're talking about or what anybody else is talking about. Oh, I, I-, I have no idea what in the world they're talking about. Because that ain't true. So that's that was Saturday, Fox. That was Sunday, last night, News Nation. Wake up this morning. What do we see? The New York Times Siena poll. Republicans are winning 34% of the Hispanic vote, 18% of the black vote. They're up plus 10 with independents, and they lead the generic congressional ballot plus four. Guys, we didn't have to raise our voices. We didn't have to scream at anybody. I didn't have to call anybody a name. All we had to do was be honest and clear and push back effectively. Because we knew the reality. Not because we're smarter, but because we will not play in these games. We will not play in this bit of word manipulation. We will not engage media narratives. We break them in two. There's the story. Republicans ahead with likely voters on the generic ballot. That's the whole story. That's the ball game. Oh, you need more? Sure. Happy to give you more. There are pollsters, just like we heard from Trafalgar, where they talked about the submerged Trump voter, I refer to as the shy right voter, because I don't think it's all about Trump. The argument being that when you take a look at polling, there's no way to get an accurate count right now because the people who are voting on the political right will not answer a pollster at all. They won't answer. They won't be a part of it. They won't discuss it. They don't trust you people. The people on the right don't trust the pollsters. They don't trust their information to be uh, categorized correctly. They hang up. They dismiss it. And that there is, just like we saw uh, the the shy Trump voter in in 2020 and 2016, this is going on again. But now I I think it's more than the Trump voter. I think it's the entirety of the political right. You know what? Uh, Forget the pollsters. We don't need to know about the pollsters. We don't need to hear from pollsters. F these people. We don't give a good holy damn about pollsters. That's where they're at. Well, this is Stephen Kent, who is engaging the same conversation. The conversation from Trafalgar was, since you cannot poll these people, when you take a look at polling, and you see Democrats up by small numbers or Republicans up by small numbers, you have to add to that Republican side because there are people who are clearly going to come in for that side who are not recording with us as, uh, as we do polls. So Stephen Kent 
writing over at Real Clear Politics or being quoted over at Real Clear Politics stating this, going into this, and saying something that just a month ago we were not quite sure of. You did see a very strong likelihood of a Republican wave. Then you saw the Dobbs decision, and you saw abortion double from 4% to 8% as a most important issue. And that, at the time, spooked a lot of people. But what happened over the summer is that it has frozen in importance, and Democrats have not been able to raise it to the level of importance as the cost of living in the economy, which combined are the most important issues uh, cost of living and the economy uh, most important issues by the tune of about 36% with voters. Did they try to push abortion? Yes. Is it the only thing that they'll discuss? Absolutely. Is it the thing that moves voters? No. What did we say? What have we been saying? The exact words, guys, that we've been using is that it doesn't rank. You must rank these things, and there are so many things that come ahead of it. We never dismissed that it was an issue. We said it's not one of the issues that moves people to the polls. That's the honest answer. We're getting proven right every single way we turn. Now, is it possible for us to be wrong? Oh, God, hell yes. Oh, my gosh, bloody heck yes. Unquestionably yes. Of course we can be wrong. Of course, this could be uh, Democrats plus 9,000. But it doesn't look that way. It doesn't feel that way. I've got Joe Biden telling you that the economy is just fine while he chows down on an ice cream cone and tries to tell you that the economy is strong as hell. Just one more economic one. I'm not concerned about the strength of the dollar. I'm concerned about the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Yes. Our economy is strong as hell. The internals are. The internals of the economy are strong as hell. He's munching on a giant waffle cone, which you know you're not buying waffle cones. You're not going to the ice cream place. Because on Midwest Main Street, you don't have that spare income. You're eating an ice cream cone and talking about the economy as if somehow we're not living it. The price of milk, the price of flour, the price of eggs, the price of butter. Good Lord, if you want a steak. Yeah, we're not off base. We have an understanding of what's going on. Because we honestly address the situation. And that's what makes us different. Not smarter. More honest. I'm Tony Katz. So as you've been seeing in your news feeds, social media feeds, Kanye, or Ye, or whatever he's calling himself, I don't know, I can't keep up, uh, he's buying Parler. Parler? You mean the Twitter competitor that people worked aggressively to shut down? Yes, yes, that one. He's buying that one because he got taken off of Twitter and of Instagram, and I don't think he should have been. I, don't get me wrong. Man, he's got a real problem with Jews. I'll get, I'll get into it. 
dear Lord, the the Jews run the media. That if you want to know anti-Semitism, there you go. There it is. If you don't think that's anti-Semitism, hey, that that's all right. You don't you don't have to. You can be wrong. And then there's a whole thing about well, look what anti-Semitic thing Trump said. Whoa, I'll 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 get into to both of them. But I think it's interesting that he's buying parlor. He's buying parlor because you need to have a place to 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 speak out. And what Parler is saying is that Parler needs ye in many ways, and be, because Parler needs the brand to uh, expand, I think ye is very interested in expanding his social media presence. So okay, he's he's gonna he's gonna buy it. George Farmer is the uh, CEO. He took over after the whole uh, debacle there when they were deplatformed and everything else, saying free speech is something that we all must strive towards. He's very excited about this. The deal came together in short order, and we are very excited about the potential that he can bring to the platform in terms of growth profile of the marketing operation of this platform, which he's going to bring to it. What I find very interesting, and it is interesting, is that when Kanye was first engaged in the, you know, uh, going DEFCON 3 on Jewish people, it was Candace Owens defending him. And and I went through it, and I'm like, this is not much of a defense, Candace, but I didn't say that she couldn't say it. I never argued she should be fired from Daily Wire. I don't believe in any of those things. She can just be wrong. You know who Candace Owens' husband is? George Farmer, the CEO of Parlor. And I'm like, that's interesting. He's actually the CEO of Parliament Technologies that runs the parent that's runs the parent company of of Parlor. So I don't know if it's direct or indirect. But I'm like, how fascinating you defend Kanye when what he said is clearly bigoted. And now there's a deal. Huh. Huh. Who who saw that coming? Um uh, look, I, I go, go and uh, have yourself a, a place to talk, and you'll have Parlor, and you'll have Gab, and oh my gosh, they allow the most awful conversations. Trust me, Twitter does too. Twitter allows a lot of hate and a lot of bigotry to go out on their platform. They're they're they ain't so squeaky cleans. But it doesn't change the fact that what Kanye said is wrong. What he said just the other day. Jews controlling the media. I mean, it, it is what it is. It's, it, it's anti-Semitism from beginning to end. But I'll get into it. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. Charles Barkley is going to make over $100 million. I don't... I don't know what to do about this. Charles Barkley has agreed to a 10-year deal with TNT that will pay him over $100 million. That's... Nuts. Nuts. But it's kind of fascinating where 
the whole sports broadcasting world has gone because of Tony Romo. Tony Romo comes from the Cowboys, where he never lived up to his promise, comes to the booth with Jim Nance, and all of a sudden, he is calling plays before they happen, and people are like, what the hell is this Svengali stuff? How does he know? And people are like, this is, this is uncanny. This is just creepy. Tony Romo says screen, it's a screen. Tony Romo says out route, it's an out route. Tony Romo's calling the penalty before the play begins. It's unreal. Now, there's a whole conversation going on right now whether or not Romo's as good as he was, whether he's given up his passion for the game. Doesn't want to do the work necessary to be a, a broadcaster. But once that happened and they started paying him stupid money, all the other broadcasters were like, oh, wait, can I, can I, can I get stupid money? Uh, I like stupid money. And so you had Troy Aikman and, and, and uh, Al Michaels and the rest. Everybody's trying to get their stupid money. Can't blame him. Cannot blame him. According to the New York Post, they believe um, that that deal is a, is a nine-figure deal, over $100 million. Um, Tom Brady has a contract with Fox to be a game analyst that will pay him $375 million over 10 years when it begins. Romo and Aikman make $18 million a year. Well, Aikman should make more. He's got three rings. He's got three rings, and doesn't Tony Romo... Who's got the butt fumble? Is that Mark Sanchez or is that Tony Romo? Ryan, which one is it? That was Sanchez. That was Sanchez. But didn't Romo have another thing like that? Not that drew as much attention. Okay. Okay. I, the, You know, this show, we cover everything. There's something about Romo in someone's butt. And I'm sure I'm going to get emails and tweets about it in, in just moments. It's unbelievable how much that industry has grown and the money that's there. I I I could I, I picked broadcasting. I was close, just a little bit outside, going politics instead of sports. Shame on me. Absolutely shame. <laughs> shame on me. Holy heck. That's an outrageous, outrageous amount of money. You mind if I do a bit of a breakdown here? Not having a breakdown. I want to break something down. Uh, specifically, uh, this stuff about Herschel Walker in Georgia as we get closer to the election, we're going to be covering more of these things. And this whole idea that Herschel Walker, not a real Republican, just a vessel for Trumpism, no one would seriously, seriously ever vote for this man. Now, I told you there was a debate. Took place on News Nation on Friday. Herschel Walker. He told me Black Lives Matter. And if you think about it, Senator, in Atlanta, Georgia, there's more black baby that is aborted than, uh, than anything. So if black lives matter, why are you not protecting those babies? And instead of <laughs> aborting those babies, why are you not baptizing those babies? Strong statement. He had some other good lines. People were incredibly impressed. You know, it, it's so amazing to hear people totally fail.
in the conversation of politics. So much of politics is about expectations. You raise expectations, you lower expectations, so you can exceed them. And then you're seen as doing really, really well. But everybody else, everybody will tell you, uh, you know, uh, Herschel Walker, just dumb. Herschel Walker, he's a moron. Herschel Walker, he's a fool. They do this again and again and again. And then he does better than people expect, and they're like, oh, oh, dang. Today, Georgians are struggling. They're struggling to pay for food, gas, child care, housing. This week, the inflation rate continues to rise. Mr. Walker, we're going to start with you. You've been openly critical, blaming President Biden and the Democrats for inflation and for the economy. If elected, what is one idea? One idea that you would champion to reduce inflation. We ask you to be specific. You have 60 seconds. Well, first of all, you have to blame this administration and Senator Warnock because within two years, this inflation has gotten worse. They uh, cut our energy uh, independence. They also raised taxes. And at the same time, they reckless spending all our money. So he would sit here tonight and say that he's doing a good job for us. And you ask me, what is one job I would do? to uh, help the inflation. First of all, we've got to become independent, uh, energy independent again. And the reason why, we're going to our enemies to ask for gas and oil. And that puts us not just in an inflation problem, but it puts us in a national security problem. And I think that's something that I think Senator Warnock need to realize. And he mentioned that he grew up here in Savannah with 12 siblings, with 12 siblings. Well, in this area, most people live paycheck to paycheck. And when you have inflation the way he's brought inflation on, how in the world can you buy grocery or gas for your family? For a lot of people, that's clarity. And people said, oh, dang, he can do this. We thought he was just a dope. He can answer the questions in his way and answer them effectively. You set the expectation too low and someone exceeds the expectation, it means you're not properly understanding the enemy, if you will, your opponent. Maybe it's a better way to say it. So here's Charles Blow from the New York Times. Wants you to know that Herschel Walker is simply not qualified for the job in a conversation on MSNBC. What do you think, Charles, would be the... Uh, fallout, though, if Donald Trump did come, because he's probably tempted since President Obama's coming. President Obama's campaigning, Trump's campaigning. What happens if they both come to Georgia, asks Al Sharpton. My sense on the ground here is that there is a lot of enthusiasm to vote against Herschel Walker. That same level of enthusiasm does not exist in the governor's race, and that is uh, kind of hurting Stacey Abrams a bit. And there's a little, there's, you know, the small pocket of people, particularly black male activists who have a bone to pick with Abrams about yeah. issues that to me seem very small, uh, and, you know, around uh, marijuana legalization, which I think that she has actually moved in that direction in, in, in recent uh, interview, uh, press reports that I've seen, and also just around the kind of narrative around black men. And it, but it only takes a few. It's this razor tight here in Georgia. And so it only takes to eat into those numbers a little bit. And there is a little bit of eating into the numbers. You could have some split ticketing on uh, the ticket between the governor's race and the Senate race. And- 
that's 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 great and that's wonderful. But let's let us discuss Herschel Walker. What is your issue with Herschel Walker? What seems to be the problem there? Why is it that people on a panel will make a claim that somehow Herschel Walker is simply unqualified? Yes, um, Joe has little hope for the Republican Party, but if it could be rehabilitated, what would that look like? Well, I think what it would look like is a, is a candidate who believes in law and in, in, in democracy and traditional conservative principles who would rise up and and who would uh, you know win races and be a serious serious voice I mean those people exist it's just that in the current Republican Party um, they're they're attacked um, and they're driven driven out um, Liz Cheney is, is is the prime example of of that she is far more principled than Donald Trump than Herschel Walker and than virtually any other Republican when it comes to traditional uh, conservative policies, and yet she's a despised figure. Why is it? Because she did one thing, which was an unforgivable sin in the current Republican Party, which is she stood up for truth as a broad category, and she spoke out against Donald Trump in an effort to overturn an election and his role in catalyzing an insurrection and a violent assault on, on the Capitol. And that was enough to get her destroyed in a, in a, in a primary. So, No, what got her destroyed in a primary was the very, very concept that she couldn't handle doing two things at once. She could be opposed to Trump and still be able to move a message. But she gave up moving a Republican message because she made it all about this. She chose her course. She chose her course. Tersha Walker is unprincipled because... Well, Liz Cheney is a very strange argument, and there's no wonder that the political left has not been well able to move their message in the state of Georgia. The latest polling, by the way, in Georgia would show you that Warnock is plus one. 1,084 likely voters, 2.9% margin of error, Warnock 46, Walker 45. That's the latest. The one before that gave Warnock a pretty big edge. Quinnipiac, 1,157 likely voters with a 2.9 margin of error. Warnock, 52. Walker, 45. But that seems to be very much the outlier in the last three polls. Then we get to this conversation on MSNBC that somehow... The, the Republican Party has no morality. The Republican Party has no decency. They've abandoned any sense of ideology because I, I believe, it, as, as this author was disca- discussing on MSNBC, what is it, the, 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 the devil? The devil himself is involved here? I mean, it was, it's, a, it's a pretty messed up statement. Attacked one Republican after another. How, how can it be that Republicans embrace these people who were so hostile to the Republican Party, to conservatism, 
to everything that they supposedly care so much about now. Well, Joe, that's what's so depressing for those of us on Survivor Island uh, <laughs> in the Republican <laughs> Party. Uh, is that the party has abandoned completely any sense of of ideology or coherent policy that has any kind of framework. There's certainly no compassionate conservatism, which first drew me across the bridge. And it has simply become transactional about and only retaining power. That's all it's about. And we've seen it left and right as the devil's disciples have, in, have, have enabled Trump uh, and others uh, without any kind of principle with a few exceptions of people like Liz Cheney. And, and that's what has really been depressing to me, is that there's so few people willing to stand up for any principle anymore in the Republican Party. If I don't agree January 6th was an insurrection, uh, I'm not principled? I've told you that I don't like the way Trump handled January 6th. Am I, am I principled? I just think the January 6th committee is a bunch of nonsense. It's Banana Republic stuff. It's beneath us. I don't think that's principled at all. I found it fascinating that in these conversations about people like Herschel Walker, that the answer is always, well, you see guys like him run because the, the Republicans have no principles. The Democratic Party no longer cares about the vote of the working man. They care about the vote of the academic. The Democratic Party has given up anything regarding care about a republic to move to democratic socialism, a la Bernie Sanders, a la Ocasio-Cortez, a la Elizabeth Warren, a la the rest of the squad. Yet you only hear about this. If we're going to talk about principles, shouldn't we talk about it fully and completely? But no, only in the context of Herschel Walker? That's how it gets discussed? Anybody who supports Trump, ah, oh, they have no principles. Anybody who supports Bernie Sanders is a commie. And commies have no principles. Well, the one, uh, kill anybody who gets in their way uh, for power. And what is this thing that all they want is power? You mean Republicans want to win elections so they get cookies? They want power. The Democratic Party wants power. They're trying to keep their power. They have the House and the Senate, and they know they're going to lose one or both. They're desperate to try and keep it. Why is anybody shocked that it's about power? I want a group of people to have power, not have another group of people have it. And then the group of people that has it, I want to push them to do good, smart things with it. And if they don't, I want to elect other people to have that power to do good, smart things with it. That's what voters do. Principle. It matters. You better believe it matters. But until we discuss it in totality, the only thing that matters is Herschel Walker doesn't have it. Weird, weird maneuvering. Very, very strange. The devil's disciples. Just so we understand, you're referring to Herschel Walker as a disciple of the devil. This is how you're going to win? This is how you connect with people? Good Lord. Good. No wonder people hate politics. I'm Tony Katz. So someone sent me, is the Tony Romo incident where he botched the field goal as the holder 
and uh, then tried to run it against uh, the Seattle Seahawks back to 2006. And nope, that's not the incident I'm thinking of. But I, I, I love it. I love it that, that people are sharing. When did Tony Romo screw up the most? It wasn't the butt fumble. It was something. It was something. I'm going to think that was. You're right, Mark Sanchez, Ryan. You're right about that with the Jets. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure it out. Meanwhile, Joe Biden continues the fear-mongering on the economy when the scary thing is really the economy. Not ice cream eating Joe. Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com TonyCats.locals.com This is Tony Katz today.